The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good evening. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, it's kind of a little strange here. I've got my wife and Annie and, and a few that are here in the front row and those with the cameras, but I, I miss all of you. I miss you greatly, and I cannot wait to get together and see all you guys. But I have some very exciting and good news to begin with this evening, and that is for years. I have hoped and prayed and desired, and, and along with uh, the other pastors here, oh Lord, if we could ever possibly have, you know, 100% uh, of the people that would be in a home fellowship. Well, guess what? This week, we made it. Congratulations. We have 100% of people watching from their homes online. So wherever you are, it's great to have you. It just kind of makes me laugh a little bit. Um, but we also have, we're going to be having communion. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, so get your Bibles. We'll be in Matthew chapter 26, and we're talking about the, the Last Supper. Uh, the title of the message tonight is A Global Passover. So we're going to be talking about Passover, which is what Jesus and the disciples were celebrating uh, on this night and what we describe as the Last Supper. So we're going to have communion together. So I want you to, you know, right now, if you haven't or you didn't know or you're first of hearing about this, I want you to go get a little bit of bread. We're not going to be super technical on this. We don't have, if you don't have the matzah, you know, with the little holes and the stripes in it, uh, just, just get some bread or cracker or whatever you can get. And then some, you know, some kind of a juice. And for some of you, this may be the very first time that your family will be having communion in your home or in your apartment or in your dorm room or whatever. Um, so we want you to you know, get those elements and be ready to go with us. The other thing I wanna mention is somewhere, hopefully online, there's a place where you can you call up the notes. Uh, so, you know, I'd like for you, just as we do here, we're going to be showing the slides and screens, but this is where you can follow along, and we have some areas where you can fill in the blank and uh, be following with us, and we'll close with communion. So let's take a moment and bow our heads and pray and ask for the Lord to speak to us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, uh, we are in a very unusual time in the world right now. And I know that as everyone is gathered together and those who are watching and those who are listening, uh, probably to a lot of news or maybe they've got too much news, uh, but we've got a real challenge that is before our generation right now. And I thank you that we can come together and, and we can lift up your name in worship and in prayer and we can study together your word. We can have communion together uh, Lord, we can give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. So I pray that we might hear what the Spirit says to the believers tonight. And Father, I pray for any that don't know you or don't know you yet. Uh, by the end of this message, as we give an opportunity, uh, there would be some that would maybe recommit their lives, rededicate their lives to you. Others, I pray that maybe for the very first time, uh, would have been brought to the place where they're ready now to open the door of their heart, to invite you in, Lord, to forgive their sins, to give them the gift of eternal life, to fill them with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, to be born again, to become a son or a daughter of the living God, uh, to be part of your family. 
And Lord, to experience the joy of the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace. So we ask all of these things and we give this time in your service now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, I want to begin, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, as we've been going through verse by verse. As I say, we're coming to the Last Supper, and God is shaking the whole world right now. Um, you know, this is something that the prophets said would happen. Uh, Habakkuk, the prophet, talks about it. Isaiah, the prophet, talks about how God in the last days will literally begin to shake the world. And uh, what, is he, what is he doing? What is he about? Um, and I want you to note that the very first thing here is that the entire world is in a Sabbath to hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, so when you think about this, is what, a, what an interesting, amazing time that we live in that uh, around the world more and more, and now state by state in the United States and country by country around the world, that we are being told to stay at home. Uh, to be within the confines of, of you know, places where we have 10 or less people. Um, and it's almost like God has brought the whole world to a Sabbath. Uh, this is actually happening in Israel. Uh, the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said that very thing. I want everybody to be in their homes. And well, yes, we have the freedom, like Sean said, we can get out and maybe take a walk or whatever. But life as we know it and life as usual has come to a grinding halt. And you know what's interesting is that um, God made Adam and Eve. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God created all of the creatures and, and all of the trees and mountains and springs and so forth. And last of all, he created man. He created Adam, and then out of Adam, he created Eve. And you know what day that Adam and Eve were created? It was on day six after God had made everything else. So that means that Adam and Eve's first day was actually the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath day, God rested from all his works and all of his creation and enjoyed fellowship with Adam and Eve. Meaning that on the very first day of creation, Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord and it says that in the cool of the evening, God would somehow come and manifest his presence in a, a manifest way where Adam and Eve could walk with God, I believe on that beautiful mountain, uh, paradise, and they walked with God and they heard his voice and they fellowshiped with the Lord. That's how mankind began, was in rest. And how amazing that now, you know, all over the world, you know, some 7 billion people in one way or another, literally, you know, within a few weeks, within a few days and every hour, you know, we're, we're being made to be at home or be in a place where we are just confined uh, to our homes. And I believe that this is from the Lord. Uh, God wanted us uh, to rest. He wanted us to learn about Sabbath. And I believe that that's something that God is doing right now. And why? Why would he do that? What, what is his goal? What is his purpose for the 7 billion people on the planet? I believe it's so that we will look up, we will call on the name of the Lord, and we will start hearing the voice of God. So a day of rest 
was designed by God to be the beginning of our adventure with God, our walk with God, and to hear his voice. I pray in the name of Jesus that all who are watching and all who are listening, whenever you hear or see this study and, and you know what's going on in the world, in the name of Jesus, may you begin to hear the voice of the Lord, that still small voice that takes his word and makes it come alive. Now I wanna, you know, talking about the voice of the Lord, I, I wanna share with you guys something. I know that a lot of you have been writing and, and uh, uh, you know, letting us know you're praying for the church and for the staff and, and you've been praying for me as your pastor and I so much love that and appreciate that. And, and I wanna tell you that there, there's been an incredible answer to your prayer literally last night. Um, you know, as, as Vicki and I, yesterday actually, we went for a, a nice, a long walk, and we were able to just talk, and it was a gorgeous, beautiful day here in San Diego, and we're walking by the water and, and just enjoying uh, the beauty of creation. Um, we're actually walking by the beach, and just, man, the waves, the air, the sunlight that was coming through, and enjoying uh, fellowship and with one another. And then we came home, and, and we're watching a little bit of news, and then we turned that off and went to sleep, and um, sometime in the middle of the night, I had a dream. Uh, you know, I, I paused because it, it was more than a dream. Uh, it was so real that I, I woke up out of the dream. And I'm just gonna share with you the dream that I had. And I think it goes back to, a, you know, an answer to many of your uh, prayers uh, and what we're all looking up to our Father in heaven saying, Father, you know, you have our attention. We need your guidance. We need your direction. What are you saying to us? So in this dream, very simply, and, and I'll tell it quickly, but um, there was a room full of people, kind of like, uh, you know, it was, I don't know if it was a church. I don't know what it was, but there was, there was a lot of different people in there. And there was this older Indian man, that's the only, that's the thought that came to me, an Indian man, and I don't know if he was from India. He looked like an elder, uh, a godly, righteous elder, and, and kind of dressed like a priest, you know, a Jewish priest. And I knew that he was a, an elder in, in the, uh, representing the Lord, and he walked up to me, and he went like this. He just, and he, he threw his hand in motion like that. And I felt all of this water just come from my head and kind of just splash all over me. And it, it kind of awakened me. And I was like, wow, I just got sprinkled with, uh, with this, you know, whatever this is that is happening. And all of a sudden I looked over here and there was this an older Indian woman. And again, I don't know if it, she was from India. I don't know if it was representative of American Indians. I don't know why that came to me, but she just looked so, with her eyes, so piercing and so wise, and uh, a godly woman uh, and an elderly woman, but so she began praying, and all of a sudden I began filling with the Holy Spirit. I, I felt the glory of God all through my body, and I was you know, on fire, I was tingling, uh, and just this incredible, indescribable joy started to explode within me like heaven. And then I woke up and I was like, what in the world was that? So 
I don't fully know what all that means. Uh, you know, I'm going to just share it with you, but I just want you to know that God, the, we're living in the days of visitation. And God wants to visit his people. In the visitation, you know, there are in the Bible dreams, and that was a powerful supernatural dream. There are visions. Uh, there are ways that God is awakening us and blessing us and sanctifying us and filling us with his spirit and getting prepared. So anyway, I share that with you. God has us all on a Sabbath to hear the voice of the Lord. The second thing I wanted to share just before we get into our study here in Matthew is that the entire world is experiencing Passover. So come under the blood. You know that Passover celebrates the exodus from Egypt uh, and the Israelites' freedom from slavery for 400 years to the Egyptians. And from that uh, time, 3,500 years ago, the feast of Passover was the first feast commanded by God for Israel to observe. And, you know, there were the nine various plagues and judgments, and then finally was the last night where God would take the firstborn from every uh, home that did not have the blood of a lamb over the doorposts and over the lintel beam. Uh, so here we are with a, now, you know, that was in Egypt, and God was telling Moses, uh, tell the children of Israel, take a lamb without spot or blemish and sacrifice it. Because I'm going to send the angel out over the whole country of Egypt. And wherever he sees the angel of the Lord, wherever he sees the blood on the doorpost, he will pass over that house. If he does not see the blood of a spotless lamb on the doorpost of the home, the firstborn son of every uh, home will be taken, whether Egyptian or Israeli. And so God was, you know, it was a fearful time and it was a frightful time. And um, what's amazing now is that we have a, this virus that is affecting Europe and Asia and America, let alone all around the world. Uh, and so we need protection. We need divine protection. And is not the Lord now speaking to the whole earth saying that we're, we're having a Passover, we're having a, a frightful night. Uh, we have this disease that is going and that is spreading and we're trying to get ahead of it, uh, but there's a lot of fear. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about that because, you know, I, I read Psalm 91 to you guys and shared uh, the divine protection that we can come under when we, we hide ourselves in the Lord. But I also realized that there is a great fear. And I think that even in the houses of the children of Israel that night, they'd been given the word by Moses and they knew whatever Moses said, that's gonna come to pass. But still, you know, you have the lamb, you sacrifice, you put the blood on the doorpost, the lintel beam, and then that night, I'll, I'll bet you on Passover night, nobody was sleeping. <laughs> I bet they were up and they were clothed and they're ready to go and be delivered, which they would be the next day. But in a way, the fear of the Lord was upon every home in Israel. And by the way, when they left, they left with a vast uh, mixed multitude. There were a lot of Egyptians that said by the you know, 10th plague, they said, you know what? Whatever Moses says, their God, he does what he says. So we're gonna sacrifice the lamb. We're gonna put the blood on the doorpost of the little beam. And, and they actually left with Israel. It says a vast mixed multitude. Uh, left with the Hebrews. 
and they went out. So there was great, there was a great fear. And, you know, look, we want to walk in the peace of God that uh, passes all understanding. But the Bible also says that the fear of the Lord can actually be a good thing. And what does that mean? It really means a deep, profound respect, reverence, honor, acknowledgement, following obediently, and worship of him. And I believe that maybe the entire world right now is going through this uh, a Passover time. And by the way, we're on our way to Passover. And the, the uh, Jewish calendar Passover, I think he starts on uh, Wednesday evening, April 8th, and goes through Thursday, April 9th. And the next day, April 10th, it would be Good Friday, Passover day. So the two calendars are literally within 24 hours of one another. So I believe that God is saying, hey, you know, Passover is coming in the year 2020 to the whole world. My spirit is being poured out upon all flesh. Call in the name of the Lord and make sure that, that the doors of your heart and the doors of your house and the doors where your family meets, that you're under the blood of the lamb, the blood of the savior, the blood of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Okay, well, let's look here uh, at the story. It's only a few verses we're going to look at. Uh, verses 26 through 30 of Matthew chapter 26. I want you to note here in the outline, Passover is something both old as well as something new. Beginning in verse 26, it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he blessed, and then he broke it. And then he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I want to begin here with, what are they doing? What's happening and what is really the Lord's Supper all about? I want you to notice that Jesus on this night is not technically creating something uh, whole, wholly new. This was not a new ceremony, the Last Supper. Communion is actually out of something that's very old. And in his day, Jesus' day, it had already been there for 1,500 years, going back to the days of Moses. So the Last Supper is part of the Passover meal, which is old, but now it's been given a new meaning and a new depth. And we'll talk about there was a promise that God made through the uh, Jewish prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, about making a new covenant. But the new covenant, listen, was made with the same people he made the old covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31, we're, don't go there yet, we're going to look at it in just a few moments. But there God says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Well, guess who he made the old covenant with? The house of Israel, the house of Judah. He he'd made a covenant with the Jewish people. So the new covenant is made with the same people. But now Jesus brings the disciples, who were all Jewish that night, 
And in the Passover meal, he brings them into something new. And through Jesus, then he would invite Gentiles, just like he did in, in the uh, Passover and the Exodus with the Egyptians. God would, through Jesus, bring an invitation for Gentiles all around the world to come and be part of the family of God. So look at verse 26. We're just going to look at this before we get prepared for communion in a few moments. Jesus said, now take eat, this is my body. So there is a time during the Passover meal that they have some bread. And Jesus took the elements of the Passover meal, uh, the unleavened bread, and then the cup. And he used these to reveal that he is going to be crucified on Passover. He's going to become the Lamb of God. He's going to be the sacrifice. His body is going to be broken and his blood is going to be shed. He is going to pay for our sins, whereas all of the uh, sheep and lambs that have been sacrificed for 1,500 years only covered over sins, but they never really paid for sins because that would take a man, it would take the Savior, it would take the Messiah, Jesus. Only a man could pay for the sins of mankind. And that's why God came in the form of his son, Jesus, through the incarnation and the virgin birth, so that Jesus could become our Passover lamb. So the broken bread spoke of his body given for the sins of the world. And as Jesus took that bread and he broke it and he passed it, he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. So that speaks of his body being whipped, his body, uh, the crown of thorns, uh, the spike through his hands. Then they crossed his feet and drove a spike through his feet. Uh, and, and there he was broken for you and me. He was broken that we might be made whole. He was bruised that we might be healed. He shed his blood and died so that you and I could live forevermore. Now, I want you to look at the next part of the outline. In a Passover meal, there are actually four cups. And we're not going to go real in depth on this, but I just want to mention it to you. Because in the Last Supper, there's only one cup that is mentioned, which, by the way, is the third of four cups that are part of a Jewish Passover meal. By the way, that's a, that Passover meal is kept even to this day by Jewish people around the world. And of course, the Jewish people who believe in Jesus as the Messiah in the meal, they also have the four cups. And these four cups, where do they come from? Uh, Exodus chapter six, verses six and seven. So I'm not going to turn there and read that, but you can go and, and read those verses, Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7, because God, when he came through Moses to the children of Israel saying, I have come, I've heard your prayers, I've heard your cries, and now I'm going to deliver you with a mighty, powerful, strong hand, a sovereign hand, a supernatural hand. Uh, it's going to overpower the most powerful nation and army on the earth. And that day was Pharaoh and Egypt and all of the army of Egypt. And God said, I will bring Pharaoh to his knees. He will let you go. You will be delivered. And so he gives these four promises. And so I'm going to go through real quick uh, so you can follow through so you know what the four promises were. So the four cups, 
Follow the four promises. Number one, God said to the children of Israel, I will bring you out. And that is called the cup of sanctification. God says, you don't belong to Pharaoh. You don't belong to Egypt. You don't belong to their gods. You're my people. I called you Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now I have called you, and though you have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, I've heard your prayers. I've heard your cries. I know how the idols of Egypt have dominated over you, and I'm going to set you free. So that's the first cup. Then the second cup, the Lord said, I will free you. Freedom, freedom. Boy, is that not a word that, you know, as an American citizen uh, from the very beginning of our country that we value and that we honor and that we so appreciate freedom. After, we can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like to have had slavery as your life and background for 400 years. And God says, I will free you. And that is the cup of deliverance. Now, by the way, as we think about Egypt, as we think about the children of Israel and and their bondage there and their slavery there, and now that they're being delivered, uh, I want you to realize that this is something that, that applies to us in salvation. God says, I want to deliver you. We were slaves to sin. We were in bondage uh, to the wickedness of our flesh. We, We were bound by Satan and the gods of this world. But the Lord says, I will free you. So this is a process of deliverance to salvation. Then we come to the third cup. God says, I will redeem you. Literally, the word redeem means to purchase or to buy. So how do you set people free? How do you deliver them? You have to buy them out of slavery. And God was buying and purchasing two to two and a half million of the Jewish people who were slaves. You have to buy and purchase a slave into his freedom. And now God says, here's the price of your redemption, the price of your uh, being delivered. It is the cup of redemption. And that was the lamb without spot, without blemish, its body broken and its blood shed. God said to me, in my economy, the blood of a spotless lamb is able to purchase your deliverance. And of course, all of this is really pointing to uh, the fulfillment of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But the cup of redemption, by the way, again, that's the cup in the meal with the Passover that we call the Last Supper that Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the remission of your sins. So the fourth cup, uh, I will take you as my people. That is the cup of restoration. And this, I believe, is the cup that Jesus said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until. So this fourth cup is looking to the future, to the second coming of Jesus. That will be fulfilled when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Israel was restored and the Davidic dynasty is restored and Jesus sitting on the throne of David is restored and the kingdom of God is restored and heaven and earth are restored. But the third cup, in just a few moments when we begin to share together in communion and we take that bread broken that he says is his body showing and revealing his death upon the cross. And then when we take the cup 
Remember, it's the third cup. It's the cup of redemption. And, and that cup of wine that they drink in Passover meal, that red wine is a picture and it's a demonstration of the blood of Jesus that buys our salvation and buys our deliverance and buys our, our restoration to him. So real quick, I want to look with you at where does this come from? The new covenant. The new covenant comes from Jeremiah chapter 31. And we're going to just look at verse 31 and 33. 32 is in the middle there. But for right now, we're just going to look at verse uh, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Again, <laughs> these are the same people he made the old covenant with. He's going to make the old covenant with the same covenant with the new covenant with those people. So you and I who are Gentiles, Paul says in Romans 11, we get grafted in. The new covenant was made for the house of Israel, the house of Judah, the disciples that were Jewish. We now get grafted in to the covenant he made. That's why we honor Israel. That's why there's a covenant relationship to this day, to this hour with Israel, with the Jewish people that the church needs to really honor and to respect. But it goes on uh, there in verse 33 to say, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Do you realize the new covenant is basically the old covenant? In the old covenant, God wrote his law upon tablets of stone. And then through Moses, he presented it to the people and said, here's my heart as your father who has led you from Abraham's place in Ur of the Chaldees now to a promised land I will give you. This is my heart. This is my father's counsel. This is the way that you can be blessed. This is the way we can have fellowship, relationship and walk together. Here's my law. Here's my heart. Here's my will. Do this. But they broke that law. They couldn't live up to it. They couldn't keep it. And the truth of the matter is, nor could we, nor could any of us. So then God says, I will make a new covenant. What does he do in the new covenant? He takes the same law that was written on tablets of stone, but instead of writing it on tablets of stone, because the law is holy, perfect, and good. God takes his law, his heart, his will, and he says, now I'm going to write it with my finger on your heart. I'm gonna literally put it in your minds. This really is talking about salvation. This is when the resurrected Holy Spirit of Jesus comes inside of us and gives us the desires, new desires, holy desires, righteous desires that are from his word. His word now goes inside of us and not only does it write his word and his will inside of us, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's power to do it. So it changes our 
our, our inclinations. It, it changes our goals. It changes our way of thinking. Now, I don't want the world and the flesh and the devil. I'm a born again, new creature. Now I desire the things of God. I desire the will of God. I desire to walk with my dad. I desire to have fellowship with my heavenly father. I delight in doing that which is right because it bears fruit in my life and I have fruit, the fruits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and long suffering, forbearance, and it just brings the joy of the Lord as my strength. So I have new desires, a new mind. I'm beginning to grow up into the maturity of my father and the character demonstrated through his son and savior, Jesus, and now I have the power on the inside to do it. So there it is. I will write my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. And then we look at this. This is the blood of the new covenant. So in just a moment, when we you know, get the elements and we begin going through communion, this is a covenant relationship with God. It is a new covenant relationship. This is Passover. Literally, Passover, which is where the Last Supper comes from, is the feast of salvation. That's the beauty of communion, uh, is that communion is carrying forth the feast of salvation. Because the blood of the lamb delivered the Hebrews from their bondage and slavery, it delivers us from the bondage to sin. And I wanna close by saying it's no coincidence that Jesus was crucified on literally the feast of Passover. They'd been rehearsing that for 1,500 years, every year, at the same time, on the same day. They would have Passover. And literally on the day Jesus of Passover, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And then the next day is the second feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Leaven is a type of sin. Jesus had no sin. So that's why the bread in matzah, or uh, what the bread that he passed to his disciples that night in a Passover meal is flat. It has no leaven in it. Leaven puffs the bread up. So leaven becomes a type of sin that puffs us up. But Jesus had no leaven and therefore he was buried on the day in the feast of unleavened bread. And the third feast is day three. And the third feast on the third day is called the feast of first fruits. So what happened to Jesus on the third day, on the third feast, exactly on the day, he was the first to rise from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me, though we were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. Feast, one, two, three. All of them, Passover, unleavened bread, and resurrection, all fulfilled exactly on their days. And then 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. We only have three feasts left. They also shall be fulfilled. And the next feast to be fulfilled is called the Feast of Trumpets. And so, hey, by the way, again, I want to remind many of you maybe didn't hear if I mentioned it last Wednesday or last Saturday, but this coming Passover night, uh, so that would be a Thursday uh, on April uh, the 9th. 
there is going to be a full moon, which is also a super moon. It's like, it's magnified. It's when the moon is the closest to us. It's bigger by 15% bright and it's closest to its orbit to the earth. God's flashing a brilliant light. Passover is extremely significant. And I believe if the world will come under the blood of the lamb and every house and, and every person's heart, their doorposts, they'll come under the blood of the lamb that this plague shall pass over us. This shall pass and we shall be saved and we shall be protected. And it could be a major turning point. Keep waiting and watching and looking for Passover coming in 2020. So as John the Baptist uh, pointed to Jesus there on the shores of the sea, uh, sea of Galilee, out of which comes the uh, Jordan River, he pointed to Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.